0: So by sin oppressed, there is mercy with the Lord, and he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only. Yeah. mighty Change.
1: hitting that last note in my mind and then they hit it. I thought, man, I'm going up on that one. And they did. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> amen. God and God alone. That's good stuff. Amen. Well, amen. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles today. Turn over to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 6. We're going to read through verse 12 today. Again, probably a somewhat familiar passage And. You've been in church a number of years. If you haven't, well, then this may be the first time you've ever heard it. And either way, we're going to start things off by addressing the passage slightly and then just kind of moving along here. What a wonderful, wonderful group that's gathered on this Father's Day. We're so glad you could be here. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, years ago when we had our VBSs and things, um, we didn't have much competition What I mean by that is is that there weren't a lot of other groups or uh, other activities and options for the children. Once they got out for summer, they pretty much were out for summer. Uh, Unfortunately, these days, it seems that there are cheerleading camps and football camps and all kind of different programs taking place all over the place. Uh, And again, I'm not saying they're not needed, I'm not saying they're not good and good, there's so many of those things that are important because it helps to give structure to the children while they're out on vacation and things. I understand that, and that's a wonderful thing. However, it is unfortunate that in some cases, and in a number of cases, they do not show up here either a night or two or maybe three nights during our VBS. The first night we had, I believe it was almost 230 here at the VBS. Just I think that was the beginning of it all. We kicked off with about 230 that night. And, uh, oh, what's it, uh, 246, okay, he's in charge. And so anyway, 246, and uh, uh, that's wonderful, I, I know how that is, I mean, it was, it, we were under 1,000 that day, it's under 1,000, yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, 246, and uh, uh, so, uh, but, but my point being is, is that all of a sudden we start to have f- cheerleading camps and all of these things, and what normally happens is you grow. And unfortunately, we had one day or two that was really bad, and, and I mean really bad in con- considering the first day, I should say. Not really bad in the sense that we didn't have kids here, but just that we didn't have the numbers that we'd hoped to have. And so we really are struggling. It's hard to uh, get kids into church today. It's very difficult at times. And so we appreciate the prayers that went out, because while they were here... Uh, We wanted to impact their lives, and I do believe in many cases there were some really some real breakthroughs, and in some cases there were even eternal decisions made, and we're so glad. And I had the privilege of preaching in the teenagers, and I mean, honestly, uh, they had uh, good groups up there. I mean, the first night alone they had like 63, and I think the one night they might have had uh, into the 70s, maybe 80 or so, and uh, he's not going to correct me. Okay, good. Okay, so anyway... Uh, so either way, so either way, they had great groups, and boy, I tell you what, those young people listened and they got involved, and uh, you know. And let me just make a statement, and you you maybe even think differently than this, but can I tell you that teenagers today like hard preaching? They love it. You know, the ones that don't like hard preaching today, the older people. When I say older, I'm talking about the ones that aren't teenagers. I'm not talking about some of you that are a lot older than me. Because I'm not old, right? Yeah, right. Okay, so anyway. But really, whoa, they loved it. So I just want to thank you again, you know, from a pastor to you. I just want to say thanks. I mean, for all the involvement, everybody that was plugged in. You did such a fabulous job. We had a great time. I know I did. I enjoyed. I love Vacation Bible School. I love Team Spec. And I know that so many of you played a vital role. And if you weren't here and you were praying, can I tell you this? Your role is not diminished in the least. You played a very valuable role. And so we thank you for your prayers so much. So thankful. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. It says, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which He sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You know, as we read this particular passage Uh, There's a number of directions we could go. But as I look at this, I, I get the impression, and I believe I'm spot on, that God intended for that particular generation to pass on their faith to the next. And he's giving us somewhat of a prescription on how to do that. He's kind of letting us know that if we're going to accomplish that goal, we're going to have to transfer our faith. We're going to have to not only tell them about it, but we're going to have to make it very clear. And it's going to have to be right before their eyes. And boy, I'll tell you what, God wants the next generation to be even more passionate about him than even we are. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, the Bible tells us, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. God always intended that the present generation pass him down to the next generation. His intention was always that we have a transfer of faith, that it ultimately leads to another generation of believers, faithful, consistent believers. Over the years, we've heard study after study that has reminded us that we're failing in this area. You know, studies that consistently remind us that children reaching the age of 18 are leaving the church in groves. That we can't keep them in the pews. We can't keep them in the seats. They're turning of age and they're leaving their homes and they're leaving the house of God at the same time. And in some cases, never to return. Now, I don't know how you can say never to return, seeing that the studies are only maybe 10 years old, 15 years old. But that's the mentality that has kind of been linked to that thought. That these young people are no longer sticking and staying, they're going. And you know what? There's some real truth to that, isn't there? We see it, and unfortunately we even see it in our own homes today. And that's not what God intended. That's not what God wanted in the least. He wants us to pass our faith down. He wants us to share it with the next generation. And I believe that begins in the home. Today is Father's Day. And I want to kind of encourage dads and I want to try to help moms today and I want to kind of focus today on young people and children and ask ourselves some questions. How can we avert this? How can we get around it? How can we keep this from being a reality in our own lives, our own homes? And maybe why is it happening? Why are so many young people who attended church faithfully, who came to church, who had parents that were in the pews and parents that were in the work of God no longer staying in the church. Why is that? Well, I want to try to touch that a little bit and share some thoughts that I have. Some would say, well, it's the culture we live in. And in many cases, that's the, what they attribute this lack of retention to. It's the society. It's the, the immoral influences of the world we live in. It's the, the, the amazing captive, the, the, the way the world captivates the hearts and minds of our children. It's the, it's the world, it's the flesh, it's the devil. Yes, I get it, I do. And we cannot discount the fact that it's a factor. However, I want to share some thoughts too today, very quickly. And I mean quickly today. We're going to try to be done in the next 20 minutes. Because we have so many things to do. But let me try to help you and encourage you today. First of all, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We thank you for the privilege to be in your house this Father's Day. And Lord, thank you, Father, for so many dads that are here and for their children. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd bless every home that's represented and every life that's here in this room today. Lord, help us, Father, as we, every one of us, try and do our very best to possess the needed elements to be able to successfully pass our faith down. Your faith. The faith. We need you now, Lord. And Lord, if there be any that are in this room that have yet to enjoy a personal walk in relationship with you, they've never address their sin with you. May they settle it and ultimately have a relationship like never before. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So let me begin by making a couple statements. First of all, your life is speaking always. Your life and my life, it's always speaking. It's always saying something. And, and I'll make some statements now, and I want to kind of reinforce that by saying this. It's not what you say, necessarily, but what you don't say. We're talking about why is it that young people are leaving the church in groves? Why is it that we can't keep them in the seats of the pews? I really believe there's a problem because it's not just what we're saying, it's what we're not saying sometimes. It's not just what you do, it's what you don't do. It's not just where you go, it's where you don't go. It's not just what you watch, it's what you don't watch in a sense. It's not just what you listen to, it's what you don't listen to. My point being is, is that sometimes if we're not careful, we think we're doing the right things, but sometimes our children are watching us always. Well, I did this and I did that, but they're not just watching when you do that. They're watching all the time. Your life is speaking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's not just what you say, sometimes it's what you don't say that impacts them. You don't have to agree with my position on things or God's position. You're welcome to believe whatever you want. But when my kids were growing up, we taught our children it wasn't wise, nor was it good to touch the opposite sex. We'd go to the mall, and as we're walking through the mall with our little children in our hands, holding them right down here, we would see a couple of teenagers all over each other. And I made a point to say, now that right there is not, that's not right. I I don't think they're married. They don't look old enough to be married. And until you're married, you shouldn't be doing those things. The Bible says you ought to be married before you do that. Now, I could have said nothing, but I'd have been speaking volumes by saying nothing. Now, listen, you don't have to agree with that. But I'm sharing with you some of the reasons why I believe we're going the wrong direction, why our children aren't in the pews and why our children aren't in the seats and why they're still hitting the door at the age of 18, 19, and 20, in some cases not to return at least in our tenure here at the church. Now listen, I'm happy to say that our young people, it seems we have a pretty good retention rate. It seems to me we're doing a pretty good job. I'm very pleased with how things are turning out overall, but just one being lost, just one, it's too many for me. I don't know about you as a parent, but I didn't want any of my kids to go to the devil. I don't want none of them to get out of church. I don't want any of them to quit serving Jesus Christ. None of them. I believe there are three major areas that we have to address in our lives, in our homes, if we have to successfully transfer a love for the master and a desire to serve him. How passionate are you about your children loving God the way you love Him? Not just getting a good education and making a good living. How passionate are you about them catching your faith and living it out day to day? How sad it is in my, from my perspective today, in some cases, to watch parents so pleased with the success of their children, even though they have not a spiritual bone in their body. That bothers me. Can you turn me down just a little bit, brother? getting Just a little echo. I, I, I don't know about you, but more than an education, I wanted my children to know God. I wanted them to love Jesus. I wanted them to, to enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted them to, to want to be in God's house and want to serve the Lord and want to read their Bible and want to pray. And I think you do too. I really do. So how are we going to accomplish that? How do we ensure that's that case? And that when they do turn 19 and 20 and 21 and 22, they still have a heart for God. My, young, my, young, my children are not really that old yet, so I understand, and please don't become a Pharisee and start casting stones and saying, well, you'll see, They've only they're really young yet. You'll see, when they turn 35, we'll see where they're at then. Yeah, I pray to God they're not out in the world, just like I pray yours aren't. I wouldn't wish evil on you like that. I hope you're not wishing evil on me and my family either. But I do want to share a few principles I think will help us. Can I have our slides, please? First of all, the first one is your reasonable service. I mean, your relationship. (laughs) Your relationship. Three elements that are so important and vital. And I know some, some will say, we've heard it all over again. Well, you know what? We're not hearing it well enough because we still have an attrition rate for our young people. Relationship. Relationship involves desire. It involves discipline. It involves devotion. And it's demonstrated the problem sometimes is with our relationship, we've got to understand, it does take discipline in our lives. You don't just simply say, I have a relationship with the Lord, but I never read my Bible in prayer, or I miss constantly and continually. I still love Jesus, though. You don't have a relationship with the Lord if you don't meet with him consistently. And you say, you can't judge me. Well, read your Bible and let God do it. I promise you that if you say you have a relationship with your wife, but you never talk to her, you never fellowship with her, you never go out with her, you never do anything with her, you only do it when it's convenient for you, I promise you if I talked to her, she'd say, our relationship stinks. But when it comes to God, we we define what a relationship is and if it's good or bad based on our perspective. And in many cases, our relationship is not what it ought to be, it's wanting. See, relationship in your life is where true impact is realized in the life of your children. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if it's not something that's consistent, then they will never realize the relationship with the Lord and how important it is. It will not impact their life. See, this relationship says it's real. It's real. It's real to your kids. Let's look at a couple of these verses. John chapter 1, verse 12 says this. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You become a child of God the moment you put your personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We see that reinforced in Galatians 3.26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You don't become a child of God by simply being born into the human race. You become a child of God when you're born into the family of God when you have the experience of the new birth, when you cry out to God and receive and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you say, Jesus Christ, I know I deserve hell. I'm just a sinner, and I have no way of ever enjoying your favor and experiencing your favor except you give it to me by your grace. I don't deserve it, Lord. Please forgive me, save me, and come into my life. Be my Savior. He said, okay, you're my child now. Now you're one of mine. And that's a relationship. But I've also known children who had no relationship with their parents and their mothers and fathers cry themselves to sleep at night. I wonder, does God cry himself to sleep at night because there's no relationship between you and him? Psalms chapter 143 verse 6 expresses the relationship. Turn there if you would. 143, verse 6, we see the psalmist. This is the attitude. This is the heartbeat of the true believer. This is how we ought to see our Lord and desire Him in our life. Notice what he says here. Boy, this, this right here is a pretty tall standard. This is a tough one. It sounds easy, but it's not. The psalmist says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty lamb. Oh God, I thirst after you," he says. Have you ever been out and you've played a game or you've been involved in some sport activity and you're so parched and you're so thirsty and you just can't stand it? And there's water at the water fountain. And I remember releasing after uh, we'd have a recess in school and they, in those days, they let kids go out and play. But anyway, we, we used to. I don't know. Do they still do that? Even I don't even know if they do that. I hope so. But we used to go out and play games and, and football and baseball and hopscotch and all kind of crazy stuff. And we'd come, girls played hopscotch. But anyway, we'd come running in and, uh, we, would, and, and we would line up at, the, line up at that, uh, uh, you know, uh, water fountain. I mean, kids would be pushing each other and the, and the teachers would be like, no, 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 you stand still. Don't you, do, no, you're at the back of the line. You pushed him. no, you pushing him, you get to the back. In those days, there were consequences. And so then you walk up and you'd get that water, and I mean, most of the time the water was never cold. By the time I'd get up to it. I wasn't the fastest kid, so I wasn't the first in line usually. The only way I got first in line is if a teacher wasn't looking, and I pushed some kid out of the way and stood there. <laughs> and it was always warm. But you know what? I drank and I was like, wow, that's good. That's the best. Man, I tell you, this school water's the best water. It wasn't that the water was any better, it was just I was so thirsty. You know what? That's how thirsty we ought to be for God. Boy, it's a relationship, but not only a relationship. And that relationship is where true impact is realized. And it's what says to our kids, it's real. Watch this. I guess it isn't working today. Maybe it's not. You guys do it for me. Would you please, if you could wake up up there? (laughs) Go ahead. Wake up. Yeah, thank you. All right. I think we got it now. It probably froze up because it's been sitting there too long. I talk too much. So responsibility is the next thing. So we have a relationship. Now we have a responsibility. You say responsibility? Yes. Responsibility has to do with your life. It has to do with your labor. It has to do with your love for Jesus Christ. And when I say responsibility, I'm talking about my responsibility to serve the Lord, my responsibility to walk in his light, my responsibility to obey the, the, the commands of Scripture. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, I, I need to have a relationship with Lord and that's, that relationship takes place what's called the secret place. It's me and God getting alone together, continually striving to learn more about him and to grow in Christ and to memorize scripture and to really take in the word of God. But now I got to put into practice what I'm digging out and what I'm getting and I have a responsibility according to the word of God to do that. Look, if you would, and, and, and Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. The Christian life does not end when we get saved, it only begins. Notice what it says here, and we have to move quickly, so I'm going to read whether you're there or not today. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But hold on, it continues to say this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto what? good works. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God had before ordained before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, I'll tell you what, God never intended for us to get saved and simply sit on the sideline. He wants us to be involved in the work of God. He wants us to do something on his behalf, something visible for him. See, that, that responsibility, that's where true impact is reinforced in the life of our children. See, the relationship says it's real to them. They see us in our Bible. They, they recognize that we're, we're excited about the things of God. They, they see our passion for Christ. They, they see our tears maybe even at times. And they recognize our heart. And then they say, man, not only that, but it's real enough to be inconvenienced. They're willing to take on the responsibility that's exercised and, should I say, exposed and and then ultimately to be exercised from the Word of God. They're living the life, not just talking about it. Man, I mean to tell you, it says... Man, this is real enough to be inconvenienced. My parents are willing to go to church all the time. My parents are willing to go out so and My parents are willing to prepare Sunday school lessons. My parents are willing to do this, and they're willing to do that. My grandparents are willing to do this, and they're willing to do that. Man, they are willing to be inconvenienced because this relationship they have is so real. Then there's rejoicing. This is often left out, isn't it? Oh, we all know that we need a relationship with the Lord, and then we ought to be responsible to serve the Lord and to live the life. Let me tell you something. You need rejoicing, though. The rejoicing. That has to do with your spirit. It has to do with your speech. It has to do with that song that's in your heart. David said, there's a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. What song are you singing? What is it that your children hear out of your mouth and from your spirit? Ephesians 5.19, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In Philippians 4.4, 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Listen, you are commanded to rejoice as much as you are to be free from sin. And so am I. Man, I tell you what, those three elements, we see them. Relationship. That's where true impact is realized in the life of your kids. It says to them, it's real. Then there's that element of responsibility. It says, this is where true impact is reinforced. And it says, it's real enough enough for them to be inconvenienced. And as we said, rejoicing. That's where true impact is reproduced in the life of your kids. And it says, it's worth living. It's worth living. Look how happy mom and dad are. Look how joy-filled they are. They have a relationship with Christ, and they're serving the Lord Jesus, and they're responsible with the word of God. It's worth living it. Look at how happy they are. How many in the crowd can ride a bike? Raise your hand. Can I see it? you can ride a bicycle. Yeah, virtually everybody in the room almost. And if you can it's because you probably do. Yeah, somebody said they're too old. That's not true. I mean I didn't say that. Years ago. Well, Well, yeah, years ago I I was a kid. I probably was six. I mean, it was at least 20 years ago or so. And I still remember jumping on a little bike. It was tiny. It was little. My parents had gotten it for me. They'd gotten it for me. And I still remember mom or dad, usually mom. But anyway, mom or dad running beside me. After taking off the training wheels. And I'm going. And pretty soon I'm going. And then I'm going. And mom's letting me go. Dad's letting me go a little bit, just a few feet, and then they're grabbing hold of the steering wheel, grabbing hold of the steering wheel. Pretty soon it comes time to fly. And mom and dad, they're holding on, and I'm going with them, and they're like, all right, we're going to let go. We're going to let go. No, don't let go. No, don't let go. (laughs) And they let go. And I'm like, yeah. It turned out bad. There was a number of times I went. <laughs> pretty soon, guess what happened? I was soaring like an eagle. <laughs> Do you know i I still ride bikes today? I was on the towpath just the other day. Man, riding the bike. Do you know? You know what I didn't find on the towpath? I'll tell you in a minute. Relationship says it works. Responsibility, rejoicing. This is like a bicycle. Now listen, you all can ride bikes. What is the goal of the faith? According to Deuteronomy, according to 2 Timothy, it is to pass it on, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I was taught how to ride a bike by my mom and dad. Now my brother, he was different. He was three and a half and I taught him how to ride, and my other, we taught him how to ride, he really got scraped up. <laughs> Imagine a six-year-old teaching a three-and-a-half-year-old how to ride. That's what was going on. My mom will attest to that. But the, we were taught, we passed it down. And that's something? And you know what? When you look at that bike, it has all three elements. By the way, If you have a relationship with God, but there's no responsibility, you're not acting on it, and you're not rejoicing, let me tell you something, your kids are going to crash. They're going nowhere in their Christian life. Uh, By the way, if you have a relationship, but you're not being responsible and obeying the Lord and serving like you ought to be, oh, you're happy in Jesus. I love Jesus. He's wonderful. This is great. (laughs) What's it cause you to do? Nothing. Your kids, they're not going to respond to your faith either. There's one will missing. Guess where it's going? Nowhere. Oh, but you are you got a relationship with God. You got saved, and man, I mean to tell you, you started growing in the Lord and you got involved in the work of God, but through the years things have gotten a little bit stale and it's got a little bit rough. And you know, it's just not the same. Those people that you thought were perfect are by far not even close. Bunch of hypocrites, bunch of losers. Oh, oh, no joy in your life, right? Oh, so you've got the relationship and you've got the responsibility, but you're missing a tire here. Guess what? Going nowhere. Your kids are not going to go anywhere for God. There's no rejoicing in your life. It's not worth living the Christian life if it's not a joy filled life. You say, well, it is, it should be. For kids, the only thing they see, you're the gospel. You're the gospel. Well, it's the church's job. No, it isn't the church's job to raise your child to live for God. We reinforce what you're supposed to be doing. We're reinforcing what you're supposed to be teaching. You're supposed to be showing them that the relationship's most important. You're supposed to show them that responsibility follows that kind of relationship. You're supposed to be saying it's worth living, it's worth living, it's lovely, it's wonderful, it's I'm so happy to be a Christian. And then we come along and go, You've got to have a relationship with the Lord. You must follow through with that relationship, and you should be rejoicing. God says it ought to be a wonderful life, and it is a wonderful life in Jesus. And they go, I know, I've seen it my whole life. And and when they start to question your authority, they turn and see that there's other people doing just like you are. And they go, I guess they're right. Relationship, responsibility, rejoicing. Hold on, you know what I don't see on the towpath? I do not see unicycles. I've never seen anybody them down on a unicycle. I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody doing a five-mile bike ride on a unicycle. How many in the room, and don't, don't go there if you don't really, don't just because you've sat on one. <laughs> you really know how to ride a unicycle in this room. And if I put one on the, by the way, you don't know, it's been VVS. I may just have one back there and ask you to come up and try it. <laughs> how many of you can ride a unicycle today if I just put it out here and said, come on up and ride it? Whew. I don't even see one. There might be, Joe, you can You're just being modest, aren't you? You No? Okay. Let me tell you something. A lot fewer people can ride unicycles than bicycles. You want to know why? It's harder to balance. It's hard to get your balance. There's only one wheel. It's hard to find your balance. And guess what? It's really hard to go the distance. You know where most Christians live their life and where that sits for the most part? They neglect their relationship with the Lord because they're so busy, of course. You don't understand where I'm coming from, preacher. You don't know what I have to deal with and you don't know how chaotic and confusing it is in my home. God's not the author of confusion, so you're telling me something. But most people stop right there. Responsibility. They sit in these pews week in, week out, night in, night out. They go out soul winning maybe. They they even teach Sunday school. They're involved in the bus ministry. But the relationship with the Lord is missing something. It's lacking. There's no real depth to their relationship with Christ. And then there's no rejoicing because it's all duty. No delight. I'm just doing the work. Somebody's got to do it around here. If I didn't do it, it wouldn't get done. Yeah, that's... Yeah, your children can't wait to follow in your footsteps. Pick up your faith. Run with it. No, that's why they want to run right out the door and right out into the world. When we are like unicycles in our Christian faith, when we fail to have all three elements, I'd never taught my kids to ride a unicycle. Now, there may be a few circus people that have. If I was in the circus, I would learn to ride one. But I'm not. I tried as a teenager to ride one of those for about 30 seconds until I realized it's not as easy as it looked. And I felt like a real small person falling every other minute, every other second. And I said, this isn't for me. I'll let somebody else look like, you know, the clown. So I said, forget it. I'll just keep riding bicycles. Do you know it's not hard to ride a bicycle overall? Some people can't, but that's unusual. Most people can ride a bike. They can't ride a unicycle. And let me tell you something. If we're going to pass our faith down, it will not be one element. It has to be all three. Your children need a relationship. Why? Because that's where true impact is realized. And that's what says to them it's real. Your children need responsibility demonstrated in your life. They need to see it, act it out, because it's where true impact is reinforced, It reinforces your faith, and it reinforces their faith. And it says it's real enough for them to be inconvenienced. And they need to see rejoicing in your life, and they need to hear rejoicing, because that's where true impact is reproduced. Can I tell you that probably the greatest thing missing today in the Christian life that causes our young people not to want to be a part of the church after they graduate, can I tell you the one element of the three that's causing more problems, I believe, than any? It's that one. There's no rejoicing in our hearts and in our lives. It's so it's misery to serve God in most of our... Oh, we got to go to church again. Man, I'd like to be able to stay here and swim in the pool for a little while longer, but, well, we got some evangelists in. Huh. Soul winning again. Beautiful Saturday. <laughs> here we go. Come on, kids, get packed up. Got to be there. Preacher's going long again. He went long again tonight. Like none of us have anything else to do but listen to him. Those people are idiots. I can't stand that person. I don't like that pastor when he gets all yelling real loud and he says those things. I don't think he should be joking in the pulpit. I don't think he should say things like that. I don't think he should stand on the back of the pulpit like that and hang on it. And our children are listening to all this. Yes, right. And we wonder why when they turn 18 and they can leave the house, they leave church. Because there's no rejoicing in our heart and our life. Critical, cynical. And you know what we're raising? We're raising young people today, unfortunately. We're raising young people who have the same attitude that we do. We just don't show it, but they do. they They, they find themselves being cynical resentful, and skeptical. Why? Because we lack those three elements. See, it's not just what you say, it's what you don't say. It's not just what you do, it's what you don't do. It's not just where you go, where you don't go. Relationship says it's real. Responsibility says it's real enough to be in and rejoicing says it's worth living. I wanna encourage you, like you passed down riding a bike to your children. Pass down the faith. Pass it down. But you'll never do that if you have a unicycle faith. It has to be a threefold faith relationship, responsibility, and rejoicing. If any one of the three is missing, you run a tremendous risk of losing your child to the world. And even if all three are there, In the world and the day in which we live, we keep praying and begging God to keep them, put a hedge about them and keep them out of the world. But don't knock one of the legs out from under them and then wonder why. Don't blame someone else before you've looked at yourself. And dads today, you must be consistent and you are the first line of defense. Don't give mom the job first. It's your job first. And then mom should be supporting you. And then you both should be encouraging your children in the way to go. There'll be some scrapes and bruises just like there is when you're teaching them how to ride a bike. But it'll be worth it in the end when they're soaring for Jesus. Let's work at this. And if there are any critical spirits right now looking at the pastor and going, yeah, well, that's easy for him to say, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something, friend. You ought to be the first one at the altar today. Because I can tell you right now, that one's missing in your life right there. Your children feel it. Every day they feel it. Because it's not just what you do and say, it's what you don't do and say sometimes. Father, we care about families today. want to see families successful. Loving you together, and Lord, the world has a pull on our young people and our children like never before. And Lord, the truth is we.